I really, really, really firmly believe that a coach's job or any leader's job is to create um, that atmosphere of consistency and security. And yes, we are always going to um, set the tempo, drive the standard. We always want to improve and we're never going to be satisfied, but you know, transparency is so key, um, especially in today's world and college athletics, where we are right now. Um, communication is so underrated, you know, respect and just instilling trust in the players. And yes, they trust the staff and the coaches and trust me every single day, every decision we make, we know that they are watching and interpreting it. Um, but really allowing them, you know, to have the the sense of, of self-belief and self-confidence stemming from us of, you guys got this, you can do this, you have to work for it and it's not going to just happen, but go after it. I think that helped all of us. Hey guys, Hannah Donnelly here for another episode of On Her Mark, a podcast where we sit down with female athletes, fitness professionals, and women in sports to learn their stories and their why, all in an effort to find inspiration and celebrate those blazing trails for the next generation. Today's guest has been everywhere the past few weeks, you guys. Erin Matson, the head coach of the University of North Carolina's field hockey team and the new 2023 national champions. At 23, she is the youngest active Division I coach in the NCAA. And like I mentioned, she just won her fifth national championship. She won four as an athlete on the team, and this one marked her first as a coach. She is the most decorated field hockey athlete in the school's history. And when she earned the title of head coach last January, she was ready to get to work and continue excellence with the program in a new role. Today, we talk about what it was like to win the national championship for a fifth time, but the first as a coach. We talk also about the transition from student athlete to coach and the lessons, well, the unexpected lessons she has learned. Erin talks a lot about the importance of team, communication, trust, and respect, something that Coach Karen Shelton built into the culture of the program for over four decades before she retired at the end of the 2022 season. It's a culture that drew Erin into Chapel Hill when she was being recruited and one that she hopes to continue fostering now as the head coach. Erin is extremely impressive, and you guys, she is so proud of her team and her staff. She is one that recognizes all boats rise, and she is so thrilled to have the opportunity to share the team story with the world. So please welcome Erin Matson to the On Her Mark podcast. This has been like a whirlwind of a couple of weeks, months, year for you. How are you right now? <laughs> that is a very broad statement question. Um, I am still on cloud nine, um, still pinching myself, still unbelievably proud. Um, but there's lots to do. Everyone thinks, you know, the final game ends and it's like, oh, season's over. We're done. It's like, wait, we got to do updates to the building. We got to design rings. We got to have player meetings. Uh, we got to close budgeting stuff. So um, still busy, but I'm excited eventually to, to be able to yeah, take a seat, take a deep breath and just really take it all in on, on what we've done. 
And so this was, you know, your first year as a head coach here at UNC, you played and had one of the most decorated field hockey player in school history. You've won national championships before. Did it feel different as a coach to win? Oh gosh, definitely. I thought we had it made celebrating out there as a player and, you know, being on the field, having everyone rush to each other, holding the trophy, um, hugging each other, you know, I thought it couldn't get better. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's something about watching it unfold and, um, for people you put so much time into and invest so much energy and love and care and everything to see them being the one celebrating, um, it completely exceeded what I thought was great. So two very different, but familiar celebrations and feelings and emotions and everything. Um, and I don't know which one's honestly better because they are different in their own ways. But um, I mean, I take celebrating a national championship any day, but to do it as a coach with, um, you know, a really, really, really special group of players and staff, it was unbelievable. And I mean, watching the final game, the championship game, it's not like it was an easy road. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I mean, you t- tied in, in regulation, two overtimes, and then a sudden death shootout. Like, yeah. what was the roller coaster of emotions? Yeah. Like? <laughs> it was horrible. No, um, <laughs> my heart was racing the entire time. And like you said, I mean, it's what better way could you draw it up than that for a national championship match? Um, you know, number one versus number two on number one's home field. Um, like you said, tied at end of regulation, both overtime, sudden death shootout, um, standing room only with 3,200 people hanging out, watching a field hockey game, you know, beautiful weather. It just was perfect. Um, and Northwestern, had their chances. We had our chances. It was stressful. Um, but of course, you know, we gotta, I gotta put my calm face on and instill, uh, motivation and, and confidence in the team and everything. So that's my job, but, uh, definitely was a roller coaster, like you said. Um, but I also think, you know, it makes it, it's cliche, but it makes it that much sweeter because this team, you know, really earned it this year uh, in a very different way. So they fought, they fought that entire game and the entire season. Um, and at the end, you know, to to have celebrations like that with everybody around who cares so much about the team and us and everyone. Um, but then also after a game like that, it just, it made it sweeter. And I know that you said that when you first took this, this position, that a final four appearance would be, would be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you far exceeded that. Um, so when when did you realize that that this team had what it took to be national champions? Or I don't know if there was an exact moment. My if you asked my parents this question, they would say um, they would probably have one for you because I remember when we played Michigan opening night. It was the first time I was like, okay, wait, we can we can go far. Like we have a chance, whatever. And then throughout the season, you know, we had some losses, we had some, um, games we didn't play great and things weren't clicking super well. Um, but then our senior night versus Duke, our last regular season of the game or season game of the season, um, we, you know, played packed crowd, um, decided regular season champions, Duke UNC rivalry, you know, one of those just big moments of the season and the team rose to it. They completely, 
embraced the pressure, embraced the, um, you know, high stakes. And I don't know if it was then or maybe a couple games in, I don't know. They were just, they started really clicking and really connecting and peaking at the right time. Um, and it was just about recreating it then after that game, mm-hmm. because we saw that intensity coupled with, we're always going to play a great game of hockey. Our skills are always going to be, uh, some of the best, if not the best in the nation, um, we're going to outsmart teams. You know, it's more for us. It was this season that like fire and intensity and attitude with it. Uh, and we saw it that game. So from that point on, it was okay. You guys felt it. You put all of the pieces together in a game. Um, now let's just be able to sustain it the rest of the year and recreate it. So, um, I don't know if I would say then, but there was definitely a shift, um, in the season after that game. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, we knew it, we knew that there was something special from the start. I just, yeah, I don't know if anyone allowed ourselves to get too caught up in, in how special it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so just a year ago, you were, you were on the team, um, you transitioned to the, in, to being the head coach. What was that transition? Like, I know you've been pretty vocal about, you know, new boundaries and creating, um, making it easy for for the team to understand this new role, but can you talk about what that transition was like for you? Sure. Um, yeah, well, I was lucky in a sense where it wasn't like the first meeting, you know, or all season long, I'm walking in like, Hey guys, I'm Aaron. This is how I do things. You know, they were very familiar with me, (laughs) um, how I worked as a player, how I worked as a captain and, and everything. So, and I'm not someone, you know, who's going to be different. I really, really, really firmly believe that a coach's job or any leader's job is to create um, that atmosphere of consistency and security. And yes, we are always going to um, set the tempo, drive the standard. We always want to improve and we're never going to be satisfied, but, you know, transparency is so key, um, especially in today's world and college athletics, where we are right now. Um, Communication is so underrated, you know, respect and just, instilling trust in the players and yes, they trust the staff and the coaches and trust me every single day, every decision we make, we know that they are watching and interpreting it. Um, but really allowing them, you know, to have the the sense of, of self-belief and self-confidence stemming from us of you guys got this, you can do this, you have to work for it and it's not going to just happen, but go after it. Um, I think that helped all of us. So for me, yes, it helped in a way that I knew a lot about them and I knew how they responded to certain communication. And um, I knew who they were as people first rather than field hockey players and student athletes. Um, but for me, it was really just being super honed in on the details of every decision and being as transparent as possible with everything. They like to understand the why behind things. Um, I think female athletes in general, just like knowing the purpose. So, you know, that's an easy thing I can do on a day-to-day basis to gain their confidence and trust and and security in us. Um, I think it paid off and, and I think they felt that from us. Um, but yeah, lots of learning on my end for sure. And, and the whole staffs, but, uh, and all, and that's the beauty of the profession. We'll continue to learn every single year, but I think that worked this year. So we'll take it into consideration next year for sure. <laughs> Two things I kind of want to tap into there. One being the, the only people that really understand what it is like to be a student athlete are other student athletes, right? To know what it takes to perform on the field, in the classroom, balance life, 
the stress that comes with just all of it. So what did, what was it from your experience as a student athlete that you held on to so closely as a coach, knowing, uh, or, or feeling that it was important, um, you know, transparency or what, what have it that was important. I'll go, I'll go to two kind of answers for you. First one. Um, I don't know if it's something that Carolina breeds or something coach Shelton instilled in me and in us, Um, or just the uniqueness of our program, but we care so much about our culture and the fact that we are doing things together. And it's never, no matter how good anyone is, no matter, um, you know, how successful or how many uh, awards anybody receives, it's always for the person next to you, at least here. That's how we do things. Um, I don't, again, I don't know where that started, um, but it's, it's a familiar mindset here at Carolina. And for me as a student athlete um, to feel the power in that, and then to be successful after one season, you know, of doing everything for the person next to you, wanting to challenge your teammates, and then knowing that that's going to help you in return. Okay. We were successful because of it for a year and then another year and then another year, you know, and seeing that work, it's the same thing I, I will try to instill in them. And in the way we just do things on a daily basis of, okay, I want to learn myself. I'm not going to come in here and dictate and boss around. And yes, it's my job to manage. But I think the fact that we learned from each other, I learned from the staff, they learned from me. Same thing with the players, every single practice, we're working to get each other better. Um, I think that's something I'll I'll take forever. And I think it's something you have to feel the power in to be a a part of something that succeeds because of that to really understand it. And then the other direction I would go in is the balance of setting these insanely high goals, but not being afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like obviously being a part of a group and leaning on each other is a big factor and why you don't feel, you know, it doesn't feel as daunting. Um, but also setting those, but not being afraid to work for them. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we are successful as a program and it's every year, oh, the bar set for you guys to win a national championship and, oh, you know, it's, it's just gonna just happen. Right. It's like, no, we have to work every day. And I think how hard this team worked this season, um, how hard we've worked as a program over the last, you know, however many years it's, it's not talked about enough, how diligent these guys are and how, um, yes, we have those goals set, but we simplify everything for how can we get better today? What am I doing off the field that's going to help me on the field? What conversations am I having? What mindset am I carrying into the classroom to, you know, just be a consistent driven individual? So, you know, set those goals, chase after them, but also you have to embrace the process and love the process and fall um, just completely obsessed with it and enjoy all of the work that's going to go into it. That's the key. Like that's the secret sauce, right? Is enjoying the process because mm-hmm. the the national championships, they come and they go, but the what you remember, and I'm sure for you is what you're gonna remember from the season is of course that moment, but all of the moments leading up to it right. um as well. And so something you mentioned there is is learning, constantly learning, constantly growing, that growth mindset. Now, you know, you have to have that as an athlete, you have to have that as a coach was what did you learn this season that was very unexpected? <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. I was going to say, I learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was very unexpected. 
I mean, the obvious answer, which will not be my actual answer, is all of the behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, that's the expected answer of, okay, yes, I learned budgeting, I learned scheduling, what it means to go into planning a, an away weekend, um, you know, all of the behind the scenes people that make it so the student athletes can just go out there and play. And that's when you know you have a well-oiled machine when it's going smoothly. So the the girls, you know, show up to practice and they're like, oh, great, practice plans made, fields already watered, I can just play and have fun and, you know, go into flow state, turn my mind off. So um, my eyes were opened as a student athlete uh, just because of the support Carolina provides in every aspect. But then, yeah, taking this position, world exploded with how many people care and how many people um help i think maybe not an an unexpected um answer but we and we kind of touched on it but the the power behind communication and how it affects everything like the ability to communicate directly clearly in the right tone or in the right way, depending on a situation. Um, and there's no formula or equation and no one's ever perfect at it, but it helped us so much this season. Like I, I love being organized. I love working efficiently. How can we communicate in the most efficient way so that we eliminate unnecessary, unnecessary stress day to day, make it so the girls can just show up and play everything that helped us in the office stems back to that communication side of it everything the players feel, you know, just the, um, I, the, the way they responded to just being listened to really opened my eyes. And I knew like, I, everyone likes to be valued. Everybody likes to feel, um, acceptance and a, and a sense of belonging and like their voice matters. Everyone knows that, but not everyone I think really appreciates how much work goes into cultivating that. Um, and you know, we, are wrapping up our individual meetings this week. And um, we have a lot of feedback from the players of just how grateful they were to have had a voice and to be listened to. And whether it's hockey and, you know, helping them with a skill or sitting down and saying, hey, let's watch video together, you know, doing everything we can hockey wise, but also, you know, let's just talk about your family. Let's talk about life. Let's, where are you at? How are your exams? Are you stressed out? Like, how can I help? You know, mm -hmm. um, I think in today's world, it's, it's just, a huge piece of the puzzle that's either going to really help an organization um, or it's going to be super detrimental. So mm -hmm. for us to, you know, have that feedback from them of how powerful um, and how much it meant to them that they, they felt listened to um, it, that opened my eyes a lot. Well, that's so, it's so important because there's so many uh, elements that impact the way that you play, right? Like if something's right. going on off the field, you may not be able to show up. And so being able right. to have someone like you to, to communicate with is, is hugely important. So you've talked about this culture that has been cultivated, that you're continuing to cultivate at Carolina. Um, why Chapel Hill? Like, why did you, <laughs> like, this has been, you're like synonymous now with, yeah. with UNC, <laughs> but like, why did you make that decision yeah. to go there? I, well, I mean, I, met Karen Shelton when I was nine years old. So whether it was like subconscious, I don't mm -hmm. know her magic, what she did, it worked. Uh, <laughs> but I just really, yeah, I fell in love with this place at a young age and that never wavered. Um, and then to be a part of it and like, yes, you, you know, girls dream of, and they follow our players on Instagram and, you know, I can't believe maybe I'll be a target one day, but then you get here and it's like, oh, I had no idea. Like I thought it was great. And then 
just like you said, the culture that's here is different. And again, I don't know how, I don't know where it started. I don't know who it started with. It's, you know, it's bigger than any of us, but um, I fell in love with it because when you come here, whether it's in the classroom, in the community, coaches, administratively, you are surrounded by people who are driven. You are surrounded by people who want to get better and who want to be the best at whatever it is they want to do. Um, and that just creates this insanely competitive, but insanely healthy atmosphere of people who are chasing excellence every single day, challenged by other people who are doing the same thing. I loved it. I think there's a sense of belonging and family here, um, which if you can't tell, I care deeply about. So, (laughs) um, with just everyone working so hard together, but then at the end of the day, it's like, we, you know, we want winners. We produce winners, whether it's on the court, on the field, in the classroom, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, people are driven here, but they do it with the people around them. So, um, I fell in love with that and it's, it's just been quite the ride and I'm lucky Mm -hmm. and grateful that I don't need to go anywhere anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, you mentioned, uh, meeting Karen when you were, uh, nine, um, you started playing when you were six. And then you told your parents that you had the dream to play in the Olympics. Um, where, do, where does that dream stand right now? Yeah. So I joke and my athletic director and I, you know, we laugh about it now. Cause I'm like, if a rainbow appears and there's a unicorn jumping over it with this magical arrow pointing to go play, you know, sure. So be it. But, um, I always say the door's not closed, but it's not open. So, mm-hmm. um, we'll see if it's, if it's there, the main, it was one of the main, discussions in my hiring process and everything. And the main reason why I did what I did and I chose what I did um, is because my heart just told me it was what's right. And I, you know, I still jump out with them on the field and show them how it's done sometimes and still have a blast. (laughs) And, um, you know, I enjoy, enjoy playing still, but I felt either way, if I was going to try to juggle both, either my play was going to suffer because I wasn't going to be putting all of my energy there or Carolina in this program was going to suffer because it wasn't getting my entire attention. So, um, I just, at the end of the day, you know, landed on what my heart said was right. And, and where I, you know, thought deserved all of my energy and, um, here we are, it paid off, but we'll (laughs) say someday, you know, they give me my fix, um, and coaching, you know, it fills that, um, that fulfillment kind of side of things of, of just relaying information to the players and helping them discover, you know, how great they are. So we'll see, not, not, not cut out, but it's not on my radar per se. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Well, this has been such a fun conversation and I really, I'm so excited for you because I feel like I feel like it's like just starting, like you've accomplished so much, but at, and like you look back and you're like, okay, most de- decorated athlete in the sport at, at UNC, you won your first year as a head coach. You're the youngest active D one head coach, but it feels like there's so much more that's coming your way. And I'm very excited that the world is going to get to witness that, um, so I just, I ask everyone this, I ask, I end every interview with it on days that are hard, because we know days get hard. Do you have a mantra that you lean on to get you through? Ooh, um, I don't know if it's a mantra, but it's, I think one leaning on people and that's not a surprising answer for me after everything <laughs> we've talked about. Um, but it works. We have, you know, sayings one plus one equals three, everything you can do 
alone is not going to be as great as what you can do with somebody else um, next to you. So definitely leaning on people. And I think if anything, it would be, you know, you are meant to do hard things. You have done hard things before you are capable of running after challenges and, um, you know, setting unrealistic goals to some people, but tackling them and chasing them. Um, and again, even goals you set and maybe don't reach or, um, you know, every day can't be a good day, but falling in love with that process and just reminding yourself that, you know, it is just one day in a long grand scheme of things. So we try to instill that in our girls and and the confidence there um, and the ability, you know, identify, okay, today, today stinks, you know, today stinks, yes. but I am, I'm okay. I'm able to do hard things and tomorrow's going to be better because today was not great. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know, just that's kind of my mindset, but it definitely helps when you have, you know, your people to, to lean on and, and um, just rely on. I, this like all comes full circle. It's like, if there's anything I've learned from this conversation, team and communication, and yeah. if you have, <laughs> yeah. if you have people that are able to lift you up in those hard moments, right. To say, you know, I am having a hard day and it right. seems like you are cultivating that culture, um, where you are. And that is, that is incredible. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you (laughs) from afar. And I'm really excited for what the future holds and congratulations. And I really hope that you're able to sit down even for an hour and soak in all that's happened. (laughs) Thank you. I know. Thanks again for just wanting to tell some of our story. We appreciate it. And then we're just excited to put on a show for everybody. So we'll keep trying to do that. (laughs) I love it. A packed stadium with standing room only 3,200 people. If they keep putting on the same show, I guarantee that will grow. And like I mentioned during our conversation, today was a lesson in team and communication and respect. If you take nothing else from this conversation, take this. Dream big, go for it, and lean on your people to get there. It's worth every second you hear Aaron speak about it. And if things end up anything like they did for Aaron, you'll be sitting on cloud nine while continuing to chase bigger dreams. You can follow along with the Carolina field hockey team on social at UNC field hockey. Make sure you're keeping up with all things on her mark on social as well at NBCS Boston. And I'm over at underscore Hannah dot Donnelly. That does it for me today. I'll catch you guys next time.